0: Produce shortages, produce costs. What are you seeing in the stores as it pertains to produce? Are you seeing that the product you're looking for isn't in stock? Or if it is in stock, is it way more expensive than it used to be? We also talked to the Restaurant Association about that. What are restaurants doing to fight back against rising costs and against staffing shortages, which are continuing just as we head into the busy holiday season? Flanders Field, Vimy Ridge, Juneau Beach, and more. A Canadian photographer has shared images of the places our soldiers had a huge impact in in World War I and World War II. And Thursday on The Start, we're going to have our first in-studio guest since the before times. Premier Heather Stephenson is going to join us, which means we need to tidy up this studio. So we had some fun talking about cleaning up for guests. I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Loren McNabb and Greg Mackling, who's away this week. We are Mackling, McGarry and McNabb. And this is the Wednesday, November 9th podcast. For the start, McGarry and McNabb Mackling is off this week. Normally, Mackling is where I would turn first for reaction to the Winnipeg Jets. But Loren, you
1: do you watch the? Did you watch the whole game or just some of it? I watched the most important part. I literally turned it on. I was running kids around with different activities, and supper and lunches, getting all sorts of stuff ready. Turned on on the second period as Dallas scored the first goal. And I thought, (laughs) that's no good. Like, I'm just going to turn it off. And I walk down the hallway, and all of a sudden I just hear the crowd like cheering, and I turn back around, and it's 1-1. And then I sit down, and it's 2-1 for the Jets within a matter of another 60 seconds. And then I settled right in for a delightful second and third period. 5-1 the final. But, yeah, it was one of those moments where it was funny for me because I – I'm a little bit superstitious, have said this before, and it's not that it's a meaningless game, but we're pretty early in the season to care too dramatically, right? But when Dallas scored, I just thought, well, that's just bad luck, I i should walk away. And then uh, <laughs> it went on to be a pretty darn good one to sit down and settle in for. It was a great, great night, great night for the Jets. Clichés abound by the end, you know, a full and complete game, Brett. They went north-south on the rink or whatever, east-west, I don't know, they did all the directions <laughs> right. And it was great. It was fun. It was a fun night. If you were at that game, let us know. 780-6868 because, man, those are the kind of ones you want to be at for sure.
0: We'd also be curious to know if you tried the Filipino-flavored hot dog
1: yes. for
0: the Filipino Heritage Night last night, and maybe if you picked up any of the, the merchandise for that night. But indeed, the Jets, they're first place in their division, they're third place in the Western Conference behind Vegas and Seattle. They have the same number of points as uh, Dallas at 17, but they've got a game uh, they've played 12 games dallas has played 13 so the jets are in first in the central so yeah this is um i don't know that this is quite the start that everybody was predicting so great stuff for the jets we're gonna have the sounds of the game just after 6 40 we've got the wednesday jets commentary from paul Edmonds at 7.55, and then Ken Weeb is going to join us for our Wednesday chat. Uh, we're going to do those at 8.35 as well, and just want to quickly mention this. Commissioner Gary Bettman was on the pregame show last night with mm-hmm. Kelly Moore and Christian O'Mell uh, just after 6 o'clock. Uh, unfortunately, it looks like our audio vault is still down at cjob.com. We had a couple of people point that out yesterday, and it looks like it's a, a problem not just on our website, but uh, sort of across the chorus chain, so I'll have to flag that again. With uh, I know that our IT department was working on it but uh, it's sort of out of our hands here in Winnipeg. It's got to be done at head office.
1: Definitely out of my hands. That's not something <laughs> some I'm fixing. Yeah, like if, if there's anything that goes wrong technically, I always ask you, Brett. So if you're not able to fix it, then move it on up the chain.
0: I used to. There there were a couple of things in our old building where I I knew how to reset certain things because we had access to parts of our... Rack room as they call it, where all mm-hmm. the computers and servers and everything are. Uh, they had half of it caged off. Like nobody gets in here without a key. But there were like something literally
1: things. behind a cage. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But they they did have access to it. Like, so like if certain computers weren't working, I knew where to go to reboot it or what switch to flip. But they've cut me off. I don't have access to the <laughs> rack room here. So if there's a problem in this building, if it's not something that I can, you know, <laughs> unplug. In you this room? It. I can't. I'm screwed. I,
1: I always laugh when people ask for different things, you know, uh, technically wise. And I always say, sure, no problem. And then I f- send an email to Brett and CC them. <laughs> yeah, got it. On it. No problem. I'll get that right to you. Brett.
0: Brett. <laughs> hey, it's good to be needed for something, right? Um, so, But speaking of the things that you need, yesterday you were at the grocery store. And I saw some people talking about this. This week, and I thought it was in reference. You, I think you mentioned last week that they had no iceberg lettuce at the store, but yesterday was it like complete lettuce oblivion?
1: Well, last week I was more just irate at the price of iceberg oh, lettuce, yeah. which a year ago was 99 cents. And at the store I went in last week was four ninety nine. I was at the superstore yesterday. It was four fifty nine. Wow. I was looking for some romaine. The only romaine I could find was the organic romaine. So three heads in a bag, nine ninety nine for that package. So I thought, no dice, like I'm not doing that. So rolled around and kept thinking, am I in the wrong section? And got to this cooler and it had a big sign up there just saying we will be short for several days of romaine lettuce. And and they listed a couple of different other kinds. So I could I could get the iceberg, but it was pricey. I could get, you know, the spring mix that are in those plastic packages yeah. you know what I mean like the where you can get spinach and arugula and all that kind of stuff but there's a bit of a lettuce and produce shortage out there from what I've been reading for all sorts of reasons you know there's where it's been growing hasn't been ideal not an ideal growing season the demand is exceeded the supply and you know I, w- I was thinking yesterday and I've thought this many times over the past six months Brett but I went into the grocery store just to get some things uh, for lunches and for the kids and f- and I we do salad probably every day and which is why I was annoyed in texting you about salad, but but it's my go-to if I you know if I don't have beans or uh, zucchini or other things handy for a side dish or a side vegetable or broccoli or cauliflower, I always put a salad on the table. And I just walked away from so many things yesterday because it seemed out of control, like all the little things you might add to a plate, you know your your peppers or your 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 you're grabbing you know, some extra tomatoes for the salad, cucumbers, everything just seemed, I reached and then I put my hand back because it just was so pricey. So you've got the shortages on one hand and then I just, I felt sick, I have to be honest, thinking like, how are people eating right now and, and, and eating healthy if they want to?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's gotta be a huge, huge increase because I'm noticing on almost everything I buy, there, it, it might be a, a couple of cents or you mentioned that I can't believe that 99 cent to 4.99 jump, that's outrageous. Uh, I did note, I did went, I actually, while I was at- Well, uh, we, I
1: made you. Did I not tell you to go to go find me some lettuce pretty much? Like just on your way home, Brett, tell me if you can find lettuce.
0: They did have romaine lettuce uh, at the grocery store next door. I, I live next door to a Safeway, So I went over there and had a look. They had lots of romaine lettuce. They had the iceberg lettuce. I didn't check to see if they had like the the green leaf or the right. the red leaf lettuce. Um, but uh, yeah, I was wondering if maybe they should have a uh, the, a big sign on their, bo- their door to counter Superstore, you know, like Arby's likes to say, we have the meats. Well, maybe they could say, we have the leaves. Come get your green leaves here. But I didn't actually look at the price because uh, I, I still have some lettuce in my fridge, so I didn't buy any. But I've noticed other weird shortages in recent months as well. Like the, uh, I when I eat peanut butter, I just like to get Kraft extra creamy peanut butter. And for uh, yesterday I bought my first jar in well over two months. They haven't had it for two months. There was one point a couple of months ago where they had no peanut butter, not a single jar. I mean, they had some of the organic ones and I've tried some of the organic ones, but I don't really like them. But just for their regular basic peanut butters, they had nothing. And I know that that's something you wouldn't have in your home anyway, because of allergies. No,
1: but it's a go-to staple for many. Like it's a little kick of protein. It's an, it's an easy sandwich to make for the kids or for adults alike. And so we're going to talk a bit about food shortages later today, uh, produce shortages and people. Shortages. We're going to check in with the restaurant association because holiday party season is kicking off. It's time, you know, maybe to get back to business with holiday parties for offices, for your office or other. And uh, staffing shortages abound still for restaurants. So we'll check in with the the food and restaurant association just after seven.
0: McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off this week. Congratulations to another M. Mario Castellano taking home the Ron James tickets Saturday, November 19th, Burton Cummings Theatre. Enjoy the show. Now, if you want to go to the Western Final on Sunday, Bombers and Alliance, 3.30 kickoff, well, we're going to tell you how you can do that right now. Tomorrow morning on The Start, we are going to do something on this show that we have not done since the before times. We are going to have an in-studio guest.
1: So much eye contact.
0: I know. <laughs> Actual eye contact. And maybe I, I don't put, put wear the the sloppy hoodie that I just pick up off the floor uh, <laughs> when I get up in the morning. Um, Premier Heather Stephenson is going to join us tomorrow. We're still working on the timing. It's either going to be at 7.45 or at 8.05. But... Uh, yeah, we uh, probably means I should tidy up this studio. It's a little t- I was looking at the, the layers of dust in here and it's not great. And then that got me thinking, oh, yeah, and the cable guy is coming this afternoon. So I should probably finish cleaning my apartment to make it guest ready. I haven't had a guest in my apartment since I don't even remember. It's been months. So I guess that that's actually kind of a sad thing now that I think about it. But that's another discussion. In the meantime, we want to talk about... Cleaning up for guests, whether it was an emergency situation or maybe it's a long-term project. I don't know. Tell us a story. 204-780-6868. Loren, let's start with you.
1: Okay, well, there's two things I want to comment on about this. One, I have a thing I have to... if, If I know someone's coming over, the front entrance has to be tidy. Someone was dropping something off yesterday and I immediately scrambled to clean up the front entrance. Even though you can see the whole house... From the door, as long as the boots are cleared, then I feel, for some reason, better about my inability to keep a clean home. But the the people that I I have frantically clean up for this is going to sound crazy. Now is myself. If I'm going on vacation, the house is clean before I leave. Am I the only one who does that? I hate coming home to a messy house.
2: I uh, I do it. Yeah, I can you see do Jeff it? doing it. I do it. I do it. I do it when I'm about to go up to the store. I like to come home for
3: a nice,
1: clean place. Okay. Well, I don't do that. Now you're just being crazy. But if I'm, if I'm going on vacation or even just away for the weekend, it drives my kids nuts because they're like, we're just the only ones coming back here. And I'm like, I know, but I need to walk back in to a clean house to the point where I've almost missed flights. You know, I'm washing the floor and just like trying to get the last minute thing done because then I know I have that feeling when I'm coming back home that we're going to be good. But if I'm late for anything, it's because I paused to clean first, but then it's not clean. Like it, it's not clean right now. But it'll be nice and clean for two weeks while I'm away. It's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It like, does. It seems weird to live in the, to live in the mess, but then clean it for nobody to live in. That's
0: fair. But then when you come back, you because know, if you come back to a messy place, it's almost like an instant reality check. It's like, oh yeah, yeah. Now I got to do the. I got to worry about that. So at least you're you know when you come home and it's nice and clean, you can just unpack and relax, decompress. I I approve. I I think it's not crazy at all. Thank you.
3: Jeff Braun, what about you? Well, yeah, you don't want... The last thing you want to do is come home and immediately have a chore to do. And I mean, obviously, you're going to have laundry when you get home anyways from the vacation. So I I do that cleaning too. In fact, uh, I go one further where I don't like spending you know, weekends are precious time and spending that doing chores. It just seems dumb to me. So I usually do my house cleaning on Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening. So I don't have to do it on the weekend. I have friends that tell me, Oh, I ask them, what'd you do on Saturday? Like, well, oh, we spend all afternoon cleaning the house. I was like, well, that's just the biggest waste of time for a Saturday I've ever heard of. It's insane. Do it some other time. I know it, a lot of people have a harder time cleaning a house than I have in my little condo where I live alone. Cause I don't have the kids making a mess, but still, uh, I, 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 Try and uh, parse that out so it doesn't impinge on my precious free time. You got to do the cleaning, whenever, uh, even when you're sick. That's a good time to clean because you already feel bad. You might as well do a chore. Fair enough.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. Maybe if the place is clean while you're around you, while you're sick, at least they, you know it, it really does. Like I don't know why I don't do it more often because every time I, my place is clean and tidy, I go ah, oh, it's so nice. Why don't I leave it, make sure it stays like this? And it takes all of one day uh, for me to just pull the grenade, and it's just a complete disaster zone again. You know, mail's just thrown over here, and I've tossed this over there, and it's just garbage. Um, Poetras, what about you?
2: Oh Well, I remember when we were were kids, um, my dad, he would leave to go uh, uh, out to work, and me and my brothers, he would say, well, clean up while I'm gone. And he would always say this. We, We called it... We called it. My dad was leave cleaning, so he would like he wouldn't clean himself, but he would tell us to clean. It, it's always when he was out walking out the door. Um, so what we would do is we would get together. We would wager uh, how long he was going on a call. How long was it going to take for him to get back to the house? So we would we would guess around ten minutes before he got home, and then we would start to clean up so that when he walked in the door, I looked like, hey, we've been cleaning this entire time. Look at all the fantastic work uh, we've been up to. And in reality, we were just playing video games. But uh, uh, yeah, so we always, we, we, we got very, very good at the timing um, later in life and in the later years of our uh, of our youth and stuff like that. So we still laugh about that. 14 For me, when somebody's coming over, like I like to keep my place fairly clean all the time but like when somebody's coming over i want to make sure that's dusted there's nothing worse than when i have somebody come over and i can see a little bit dust and all my furniture is black so it gets dusty so quick yeah so i like to make sure things dusted but i also like to make sure the bathroom is spotless because that's you know that's the most vulnerable place for someone you know it's the most intimate place (laughs) so i like to make sure that if somebody's (laughs) going to use my bathroom that they're comfortable with it you know what
3: a thoughtful young man you are!
1: It's that's true. But don't it's, you hate? It, it, go don't ahead, you hate Brock. when you
3: clean the bathroom and then they come over and they don't use it? And I was like, yeah. "Are you kidding me? I just get scrubbed in that there toilet. <laughs> go, go do some, do, do something."
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, the worst is when when they make a mess out of the toilet. That's Ew. the worst. Yeah, it's happened. It's
0: happened. Yeah, well, that's what it's there for. I um, and I I think about this often too. I really cause, I, well, there are two things. I have. I have one friend who is. Whenever I go to his place, I'm so scared to make a mess. I will often end up making a mess because I'm trying so hard not to, uh, because then I just get clumsy. But so whenever he comes to my place, it's like a week long project because I. It's not just a tidy up. It's not just a basic clean. Like I need to tear my place apart from top to bottom uh, because he's the kind of guy who will point it out. Just like to- run his
1: hand like across the top of the door to see if you've dusted up there well we've
0: we've kind of it's sort of my fault i think because because whenever i go to his place if i find dust uh, like on the top of a picture frame or something i will write the word dust in the (laughs) dust for him to find later so now he goes out of his way to find things that i've missed in my place but when i think about if it takes me a week to clean up for a guest what i really should keep have my place ready because i sometimes find myself thinking What if there was, say, an emergency, like I got a call on a late uh, Friday night from somebody who wanted to come over? How quickly could I get my place cleaned up? Yes. (laughs) Uh, But it's been a while since I've had a call like that. It is McGarry and McNabb. We're talking food shortages and restaurants in a moment. And we also want to remind you how you can win bomber tickets. Just a heads up at cjob.com or question of the day for credit aid. Overwhelmed by debt, call 204-987-6890, creditaid.ca. 12 games into the NHL season, the Winnipeg Jets sit atop the Central Division. Are you surprised? You can vote at cjob.com or on our Instagram. We just put that on our Instagram story at 680cjob, and we'll get that up on Twitter as well. Um, In the meantime, we're asking you about you know, tell us a story about cleaning your home for guests and whether it's an emergency situation or not for a chance to win tickets for the Western final. What does David have, Loren?
1: David says, my wife is notoriously known for cleaning when my mother-in-law is coming over. She's convinced she always cleans her house when we're gone. One time we came home to her cleaning out our fridge.
0: <laughs> that would drive me insane. Yeah. Totally insane. I
1: don't want anyone in my house when I'm gone. Like I, I don't mind if you're coming in to help out with something, but I don't want you just on your own volition deciding you need to come in and do A, B, or C.
0: Yeah, yeah, get out of here. So, David. Thank you for sharing your story. We'll pick a, We'll share more stories through the morning, and we'll pick a winning text at nine fifteen. And a reminder that we have tickets to give away for Ravine in our next segment. Now, as far as uh, restaurants go, it's been no secret. I don't like to cook, so when I want to eat, for the most part, it's it's often takeout, or I will go out every Friday visit to my favorite place, the King's Head Pub. I go to my neighborhood pub, the Grove, quite often, and. Um, I have noticed some prices though, Lorena, are starting to go up and, I, and it's got to be tough for these restaurants having to make decisions on where do they, what do they do about these rising costs?
1: Yeah, we all want to sort of feel, get that feeling of back to normal, right? The past two and a half years have been tough, but if you run a restaurant, I don't think much is feeling normal these days, whether it's with prices of food or the struggle to still find staff. And so we thought we'd check in with Sean Jeffrey, the executive director and CEO of the Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association. Good morning, Sean.
4: Good morning, you two. How are you today?
1: We're pretty good. I want to start with what's on the menu, if you don't mind the food, because about an hour ago, I was just lamenting some shortages I was noticing in the store. We had a Mm -hmm. listener weighing in to say that they were at a restaurant on the weekend, and there was no Caesar salad on the menu because the owner said, you know, the the price of lettuce is just too much, and we can't figure out how we'd even pass that down to our patrons. And so what are restaurants seeing when it just comes to some of those shortages and, and costs out there?
4: Yeah, so it's really it's it's decision-based uh, menus, right? So it's uh, it may not be a shortage. Uh, it might be a quality issue. Um, you know, that's uh, that's a key it's a key component of that because you don't want to be serving a, a substandard quality product. Um, it might be a pricing issue. It may just get to the point where you can only charge so much for that salad or that hamburger or that uh, that uh, type of beef or that cut of steak. Um, so it really comes down to kind of creating a menu. Obviously, everybody is is seen, you know, obviously across the board, not just in the restaurant industry, but most industries where prices are starting to increase with, uh, with inflation, that they have to keep their, uh, their price at a manageable level where it's, uh, so the sticker shock is obviously not uh, too crazy because obviously that drives away customers. So um, it's really kind of manipulating your menu to make sure that you can provide the best quality product, uh, uh, a product that you can get, but you can get for a, a price that's still uh, reasonable to that customer.
0: Are there other problematic products like Loren mentioned, the lettuce and the Caesar salad situation, but there are other products that restaurants are having a tough time with right now?
4: Yeah, proteins-based is the the biggest thing. Obviously beef, uh, produce has always been a challenge for for the restaurant industry. Obviously, you know, produce is up and down based on growing seasons, weather, uh, transportation and so forth, Um, but beef and chicken and pork and these items are really getting to the point where they're becoming so expensive that, you know, when you have that uh, certain type of product on your menu, a certain kind of beef or prime rib, for example, um, you have to really look at, uh, you know, the cost of that and, and then what that relates back to your customer, because, you know, again, your customer does not want to be paying an the amount of cost for this product. And the sticker shock will obviously uh, is kind of hard sometimes to overcome. So um, they're really manipulating their menus to use products that are coming in at a cost that uh, keeps their, their menu prices at a reasonable level.
1: Yeah, I've noticed signs even outside certain restaurants, uh, Sean, where it doesn't have yep. the price on the sign, right? Because I think they're yep. probably adjusting it on a pretty regular basis. It's not like you can put that an item on for eight bucks today because tomorrow it might be 15. And so that's Correct. an adjustment. And then, and then it's all about the experience too. At the end of the day, there's the cost of what you're paying and you want, you want your food to taste good and, and be affordable, but you also <laughs> want to get it on a timely matter. And I'm curious about staffing and, and we've been talking to you months about staffing shortages. Where are we yeah. at?
4: it's uh, it's still a struggle. Like I mentioned to you yesterday, you know, like we're we're climbing a hill, and you know we, we get a little bit ahead, but then that hill just grows like two or three times, right? So because we're getting into the holiday season, Christmas parties are starting to wrap up, and you're starting to get those uh, those calls. and um, especially with uh, with our industry still having uh, quite a significant manipulation when it comes to operating times, operating days. Um so you may be closed one or two days a week or you may be closed for lunch still. Um, uh, that really takes a, a huge hit. On the availability to, to those larger parties, so that you're not doing them in your in your massive volume times at dinner time, um, and uh, it's 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 a challenge. And you know we're we're still trying to to really to try to get staff into the door, but uh, we've had to take a different approach. Um, you know we're really focusing now on on the starting point, and that's um, really focusing at the school level when when kids are finishing school, uh, high school even, and trying to really engage them into a career in the hospitality industry. Um, and we're really trying to promote uh, the fact that we have some of the best uh, education uh, institutions here in Manitoba for our industry um, and that uh, we really need to kind of continue to promote with that. So um, it's it's a challenge, but uh, we'll continue to, to to knock down those barriers and get, uh, get people
0: excited about our industry. And finally, what about holiday party bookings? How are those going? <laughs> they're busy.
4: You know, they're busy. They're really busy. You know, I think that uh, especially second year that, coming out of the pandemic and really trying to get back to what's normal right and so it is really busy but again it's uh, it's again a challenge but uh, we're loving this challenge this is a challenge that we don't mind dealing with because uh, we would love to get people back celebrating in our industry again and having a fun holiday party it's uh, it's a great time of year for our industry so we're really looking forward to the next couple months
1: before you hop off, Sean, I just wanted to double back just 30 seconds here. Where are the, the staff then? Because you mentioned going into the high schools, maybe yeah. trying to get the 18 year old. Like the restaurant job was the go to job for me when I was 17, 18, 19, 20. Is that just not the yeah. case?
4: That's the million dollar question, isn't it? You know, and we, uh, we we ask our question that all the time. And uh, where are the staff? And the reality is that uh, some people just moved on. Um, obviously we have to change habits we have to change thought processes about our industry that it's inconsistent because obviously the pandemic really kind of drove that hole into a lot of people that uh, the industry is inconsistent but i'm telling you right now it's never been a better time to get in our industry because there's a ton of opportunities and amazing opportunities for growth and, and career-based and so yeah it's just about changing those habits and getting people back to to knowing that our industry is a great place to start or even
0: finish your career at Sean Jeffrey, Executive Director and CEO of Manitoba Restaurant and Food Services Association. Thank you very much for joining us, sir. It's a pleasure as always. You guys have a great day. Tickets for Ravine coming up in just over 60 seconds, but a reminder that we have tickets for the Western Final. We're asking you about cleaning up your home, cleaning up to make room for guests, whether it's an emergency rush situation or maybe it's more of a long-term project depending on who's coming over. What does Kyle have for us, Loren?
1: My wife and I had a couple over and didn't pre-clean. Of course, we apologized for the mess, and he replied, "Hey, that means we're friends."
0: Great Good way to—that's a great way to say it. I, I have a visit. I have some friends. Uh, they've got kids, and every time I go over, every time they say sorry about the mess, it, and I and I say, "Hey, uh, how long have we been friends? Like you've, you have kids, you you have busy, busy lives, and the fact that it didn't concern you enough to clean up." Kind of made me feel more comfortable, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, like family. I get that. And it's a hard thing to do because even closest family and friends can come over and you feel the need to present. And you should maybe ask yourself why. And speaking of presenting yourself, Brett, you talked about maybe, you know, the need to clean your apartment because you might have a need. You never know when a visitor of a certain variety of time of night might want to pop in. And Pam thought she'd weigh in and say, hey, uh, Brett. If your late night visit is a booty call, (laughs) clean the bathroom, turn the lights down, throw in a strand of hanging lights or some candles to create a mood, and you can get away with not doing a major clean.
0: Pam, that is a great suggestion. (laughs) I'm gonna Bathroom and
1: low lights.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Pam, thank you for that. I'm gonna put that tool in the shed. In the meantime, (laughs) we will pick a winner at 9.15, but right now. We have tickets to give away for Ravine. The legend continues Friday, February 17th. Club Region Event Center. We command you to call 204-780-6868 for a chance to win. Call number 5 at 204-780-6868 for a chance to win. And you know what, Lorraine? I think we've got time here for Sarah and the pop-in visit.
1: I'm with Sarah. So Sarah says, I hate the pop-in. I had basically just got home from work, was in the basement getting some laundry going. When I come back upstairs, my son had let a pop in visitor in the house. My house is never pop in <laughs> ready. I told my son to not allow strangers in the house. He stares at me blankly, and my pop in visitor says, uh, Can you not call me a stranger? I'm your cousin. <laughs> Popper inners, yay or nay? That is a question.
0: <laughs> well, I'm guessing after that uh, offense, perhaps that cousin will not do the pop in anymore, just being offended by that. <laughs> um, listen, about a week ago, we spotted a tweet that really caught our attention ahead of this Remembrance Day. It was written by a Canadian photographer, and it read. Over the next few weeks, my account will feature images from various locations across Europe. These places are where young Canadians travelled to, did not make it home. Next to the post, a photo of a poppy in Flanders Field reaching for the sun.
1: So that photo and the post were from Len Wiig. And over the past week, he's kept that promise, posting pictures from Vimy Ridge, where almost 4,000 Canadians were killed, another 7,000 wounded in World War One. He's posted pictures of a cemetery in France where nine sets of brothers from Canada were buried. Photos of Juno Beach and Dieppe. We're joined now by photographer Len Wigg, who you can also find on Twitter at Len underscore Wig underscore photo. Good morning, Len.
5: Good morning. How are you today?
1: I'm so pleased to be talking to you because like Brett said, when I first saw that tweet, uh, uh, you know, November 1st, I thought, what a tremendous idea. And this all started, if I'm understanding correctly, with a trip you took earlier this year. What made you think that in the lead up to Remembrance Day and beyond, you had to do more with those photos that you you took?
5: Well, you know, as a, as a photographer, you take uh, lots of pictures and, uh, you know, usually you kind of put them out and you put them out with, with images that you feel will mean something. And uh, this, you know, I, I looked at when we started into November, and I, I kind of look back at. It's part of a larger project that I'm working on. I'm thinking, you know, should these images sit on a computer hard drive for another few years until this project is over? or Should I start kind of sharing them? And I and I thought maybe maybe this is a way to do to honor those that uh, that didn't come back. So. That's, that's what started it. And that's where it's gone from there. And I posted, um, you know, usually I post uh, every day something that uh, that I'm working on. But for the past few weeks, I've solely gone with this uh, just to say, here it is. This is what you know, this is my small way of uh, saying thank you. And, um,
0: you know, here we are today. Did you know the history of these places before you, you you've been visiting them? Or are you learning along the way? Well, I'm, I'm definitely learning
5: along the way. Um, but no, I did. I did know the the history of uh, of some of them. And uh, you know, it it started out. It started like, thirty years ago. I went to a Commonwealth War Grave Cemetery in uh, in Sicily, and I found you know uh, hundreds of young Canadians that were buried there. And that I think I think that was the seed. I'm this this is part of a larger project. I'm working on a book, and uh, this is this is part of a larger project. But I think the seed was there. And then when I went over this year, I wanted to, you know, it's kind of those places that's always been in our vernacular about, you know, what has happened. It's been kind of part of our history. So I thought, you know, I, I should see some of these places. But then as I started going to them and I started learning so much, I realized that it's just such a a massive story that has really defined all of us.
1: And, and part of that story, you know, I was talking about that cemetery in France that contains nine sets of brothers and it, you wrote that there's one set of three brothers buried there and two were buried as they were found. And I teared up just reading it and seeing the, the images. But I'm wondering about the emotion you felt along the way in this journey, because so many people that I know, and I think I, I'm wondering if you feel the same once you get there, you, you don't realize the impact Canadian has Canada has had and still has Len, on many of those villages and communities.
5: Well, that's, that's true. You know, it, it it is very emotional, especially with those Westlake brothers. I mean, when you read what's on it, um, usually they were buried as they were kind of processed through. But two of the brothers, uh, Albert and Thomas, were buried, in, and it says they were buried... Uh, Together because they were they died in each other's arms. So you know the two brothers, one was 25, one was 29, and then uh, you know four days before their older brother uh, had died. So it was it was truly you know it was uh, it was just you you look at that and you just think about how the gravity of what would have happened to this family. But the thing the thing about these places is that, you know, you drive around and you look and you see there's Canadian flags hanging from buildings. There's Canadian flags that are uh, on the street signs. There's, there's Canadian flags. Actually, there's a massive Canadian flag in the parking lot of, of, one, of these, uh, one of these cemeteries. And all the cemeteries are just, they are immaculate. They're immaculate. And as I'm, as I'm going through this, I'm learning like in Belgium, some schools, they assign a, a headstone uh, to a student and that student takes care of that headstone through the year and they learn about the person that was there. So the, the history and, and, and I was in a place called Beaumont Hamill. And as I was there, the school buses of, uh, of teens were showing up and they were from Britain. And uh, I talked to one of the teachers and he was telling me that it's part of their curriculum that they come over and visit these cemeteries.
0: Our guest is photographer Len Wagg. You can find the pictures we're talking about at Len underscore wag. that's W-A-G-G underscore photo on Twitter. And, you know, when you, as a photographer, I'm sure you take some pictures and you, we all, whenever we take pictures, we probably think, oh, that's a great pick, or that's a cool shot or whatever. But when you're taking pictures of, you know, the stuff that you're taking pictures of right now, um, is it, can you pick a favorite or, or how do you, how do you look at them in that sort of context?
5: I, th- I think it's a, you know, for, for this, I'm trying to find, uh, I'm trying to, to take an image that, that somehow will make me and hopefully other people uh, understand the sacrifice that they made. Because, you know, when, when the drums of war and the drums of war, you know, they come along all the time, and especially what we hear them coming now. But we, you know, we have to remember that they're, they're kids. They're just kids that are going over there. You know, they're in their late teens. Early twenties and that 's what we 're looking at so what i what I want to do i mean i 'm obviously you know past my teens, past my twenties, and a couple more but um, you know what i what I want to do with these images is make people stop and say you know what what is it that we 're actually doing here i, I don 't look at it from a military point of view, I kind of look at it from a from a human kid point of view. And what what makes me try and pick out what the best is, is that did that kind of invoke some emotion in me? And was I able to kind of transcend that into a still image that people can relate to?
1: Len, as we pause and reflect this week, you know, and you're mentioning that we should at the very least acknowledge how many of them were just children, really 17, 18, 19 years old. What's your one takeaway from doing all this? Your goal is a book, I know, uh, down the road, but what have you taken from it?
5: What I've taken from it is that um two things, one is that I didn't think that um it would be as powerful seventy years later. I didn't think that Vimy would be power as powerful for me a hundred years later, and I've taken more of an appreciation for what the generations before us have done to get us to where we at where we're at um so yeah this is this is although you know the book is the end product, but the journey. And what what I'm learning and hopefully through what other people are learning is that we owe so much. And, you know, they they seem like they're just hollow words, but we really do owe all these people. And some of them are among us. Uh, We owe them so much for what they did uh, for, you know, for all of us.
0: Len Wag, photographer. You can find him on Twitter, Len underscore Wag underscore photo, and Wag is spelled W A G G. Len, thank you very much for joining us, and thanks for doing what you're doing. I just uh, started following you. The pictures are beautiful.
5: Thank you very much. And look, I really, really appreciate your time and your uh, understanding
0: of this. Thanks for joining us, Len. And, and Loren, he makes a great point. You know, the other day uh, on uh, Wednesday when I played my final round of the year for last week uh round final round of golf I wore a poppy while I was playing and uh one of my buddies said it's not going to get in the way and I just sort of stopped and thought like we wouldn't I wouldn't be doing this I wouldn't be able to be I wouldn't be playing golf in November um if you know if if we lived somewhere else in the world or if history went a different way if not for what the what these previous generations did for what we get to enjoy today so no it didn't get in the way
1: didn't get in the way and the sacrifices are many so that's a pretty small one to make right for the sake of everything else so i thank you for sharing that i think that's uh wear it and wear it wear it wherever you want and however you want (laughs)
0: It is McGarry and McNabb. Mackling is off this week. Hey, congratulations, by the way, to Betty Sidlowski, who won tickets to see Ravine, the impossiblest, coming to Winnipeg at Club Regent Event Centre. The date for that show is Friday, February 17th, and we will have more tickets to give away tomorrow on The Start. But we want to start this right away here. As soon as we mentioned that we are going to talk transit safety and the rise in violence on city buses, we got this text... My college daughter stays completely clear of transit and drives to avoid this kind of stuff. Think about the environmental impact and financial impact that is having.
1: Yeah, fewer fares, more cars on the road, and of course, just that overall feeling about safety. Are people staying away from the bus because of this? We know the bus shelter situation is one issue, but on the bus, drivers are also... and includes um, um,
6: assaults with weapons.
0: Do these numbers include passengers?
6: No, unfortunately, we don't even get any information unless it's uh, actually reported by by the operator to us. Uh, transit doesn't provide that information, and uh, neither the information regarding you know assaults happening at bus shelters, anything that's outside the bus
1: we know there's been assaults uh, and and robberies on the bus as well um there's been passengers who've been groped They were looking for that suspect just a few weeks ago romeo i'm curious what are your members saying to you in terms of how they are feeling
6: well they're afraid to go back go to work now um we've lost a lot of people uh through early retirements because they can't um, take on the the risk anymore we've lost a lot of People from resignations, uh, especially the newer ones, you know, so, as soon as they start driving after their training, they see all this, they hear all this. And, you know, um, a lot of them say this is not what we signed up for. But even those that are that have been here for, you know, 10, 15 years were losing that experience because, you know, they don't want to risk their lives. The, the work is just not that great anymore, as far as um, the the risk that that's uh, that's out there.
1: Do you know how many Romeo that you're losing in terms of a number?
6: I know we're short of 150, at least 150 drivers right now, and that's why uh, we can't go back. To our concern is that uh, we won't be able to meet the the new mayor's. Uh, you know, promise that we will go back to 100% because we don't have enough people. We're basically using overtime just to get our, uh, you know, 94% service up and running. And sometimes they don't have a choice but to cancel some service. And that's also
0: concerning. 107 assaults. That's basically one every three days so far this year. What's the solution
6: well, there, there's a transit safety recommendations back in in uh, 2021 or, or late 2020, early 2021. Um, they spoke about the transit safety force as one of the recommendations among 10 more recommendations. Um, we just need to get that done. We just need to get it implemented. Whoever does it, is doing it or going to be doing it, we need the city and the province to work all those, the kinks regarding that, get it done. We need people patrolling our transitways, uh, all those areas. We, we sp- spoke to Transit about, you know, uh, monitoring the areas that are commonly uh, the scene of uh, crime and uh, violent assaults. And um, we're waiting and nothing's been done.
1: You've sent an ask in. Have you, you know, asked the mayor, asked the politicians at Broadway to to sit down with you and work on this together, Romeo?
6: Yes. Um, uh, uh, to to her credit, uh, the new um, sorry, the new transit advisory committee chair and the uh, public works chair, or yeah, public works chair, councillor looks actually uh, reached out to us after we sent a letter last Monday regarding our concerns re- with this you know, rise in violence, and she said she's willing to work with us again. You know, she started working with us even before the election, but, you know, um, she promised to sit down with us. Now we're waiting for um, the mayor. I think the mayor tried to call me yesterday. I was in the middle of a meeting, so I haven't really spoken to him yet, but I hope there's a desire to actually get this implemented. Um, We also would like to talk to Premier Hedgeson, but we haven't really uh, sent that letter, a formal letter requesting that, so
0: um, we'll see. Well, the Premier is going to be in studio with us tomorrow, so perhaps we can ask uh, about that as well. Romeo Ignacio, President of the Amalgamated Transit Union Local 1505, thank you very much for joining us and bringing this to our attention. We appreciate it.
6: Yeah, thank you. Stay safe.
0: And feel free to weigh in at 204 780 6868. Maybe you've seen some of this violence on a bus. Uh, maybe it's chased you off the bus. You know, we we, from that like that listener who said their daughter doesn't take the bus because of this kind of stuff. What about you? 204-780-6868. We do want to thank you for the feedback that we're getting about transit. We had a conversation last half hour about increasing violence on transit and attacks on the drivers, uh, for example. And uh, one listener with a rather kind of plain and simple text here, Loren.
1: I'm 60 years old, disabled. I have no choice but to take the bus. I'm in fear every time I get on. It's nuts. Pretty simple and and pretty troubling to consider and so i know that uh, the city is working and and talking to the union and they're trying to figure out ways to make everyone feel more safe on the bus but as we try to get more people to get back to work brett and gas costs more and driving costs more parking you know parking particularly downtown it makes me ill every time i pay to park downtown and if the bus was an option would i take it right now based on how people are feeling about safety so let us know 780-6868 keep that feedback coming
0: I love sports cliches. I love them so much. And on the various (laughs) memes that exist out there, sort of making fun of them. Here's an example. When you put the puck in the net, good things happen. (laughs) You don't say. It's one of the worst hockey cliches out there. But from the moment the Jets did that in the second period last night, good things did continue to happen.
1: Buckle down, Brett. They played a full sixty minutes. Yeah. A complete game. Yeah. Gave hundred and ten percent. Impossible. Got the Bucks into the net. Oh. Played that North South hockey. You know, back back and forth. Five one the final for the Jets over the stars last night. And so as a result, cliches abound this morning. We've got lots to discuss as we bring on our friend Ken Weeb of SportsNet. Good morning, Ken.
7: Good morning. Uh, great to be with you. Uh, don't forget, uh, Jets also got pucks deep yesterday as well. They got
1: the pucks, <laughs> right. You, got, you don't just get them, you got to get the pucks deep. Okay, so I, I'm happy to continue all of the cliches because it was a fun game to watch. But I'm, I'm wondering for you, what does it say to you about the way the team is playing with that 5-1 win last night? And, and from start to finish, a real solid victory.
7: Yeah, Loren. For me, the biggest thing for the Jets was that they uh, they responded to the challenge because the Dallas Stars made them look slow, and uh, they were not nearly competitive enough in that game. in uh, you know, mid October game two on the schedule for the Jets. Uh, ten games later, it was Tyler Sagan of the Dallas Stars saying they look like a completely different team, and they were. So uh, Rick Bonus, obviously, and his staff having an effect here. Uh, I think the you know the other thing for the Jets is they came home from a road trip where they collected five of six points. Uh, but realized that their level of play was not sustainable in terms of getting results. They came home, they worked on uh, the things that had been troubling them, and uh, they found a way to beat one of the best teams in the NHL quite handily. And their ability to respond after giving up goals uh, were in previous incarnations. Maybe they they may have wilted after a, a strong start that didn't result in them scoring first. They were able to bounce back and and really uh, impose their will, if you will, uh, on the Dallas Stars uh,
0: On Tuesday night, now Bonus said last night he sees more confidence in this team. Do you see that from top to bottom?
7: Uh, I mean, confidence can be fleeting, but uh, the Jets are definitely playing with a lot of confidence. And you know, one of the biggest reasons they can play with confidence is because of the elite net minding uh, provided by Connor Hellebuck. Uh, He's now his raw numbers have been uh, exceptional, Brett. Uh, You know, he's got his goals against now below two. It's at one ninety-eight for those uh, keeping track at home and. His save percentage nine thirty nine, but the most important thing on that front for the Jets is that they've made life a little bit easier on Connor Hellebuck. Uh, only I think twenty two or twenty three uh, shots yesterday compared to the you know the, the high the, the low forties that he was giving up on that road trip where the team was giving up and he was stopping. So um, and then they've cleaned up a lot of areas. Of, again, game twelve, work in progress, but this is a team that's collected at least a point in seven consecutive games. They are, you know, full value for being tied for first place in the, you know, in the central division with those Dallas stars. They're now even in the season series and uh, they're showing a lot of signs and confidence certainly has something to do with that.
1: Yeah, it's early days and we were cautioning, you know, you you don't want to get overly excited, but I do want to talk about Shifley because you mentioned the 12 games so far. Ken, he's had eight, I think, eight goals in the first 12 and, and that's a first for him, I believe, in his career. I was reading this morning.
7: Yeah, it's been impressive. I mean, you know, Mark is is, is getting uh, you know bugged a little bit by his teammates for being an early candidate for the Cy Young with eight goals and just the one assist. But uh, I mean, Mark Scheifele's play has been you know not just talk of the town. It's talk of the NHL. I mean, uh, a lot of people wondering what it was going to be like for Mark. He's uh, had an epiphany. He's showing you know showing that love uh, for the sport and you know joie de vivre or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but Mark is enjoying being around the rink and he's been a leader for the Winnipeg Jets, not just in terms of his offense, which has been exceptional. I mean, eight goals puts him on a ridiculous pace. I mean, can he keep it up? Of course not, but uh, he's on pace to have his best season ever. and, And that certainly can happen in terms of goal scoring. He's always had a great release and shot, but, uh, you know, he's also a guy with a you know, great vision and can pass. So I would expect his assist numbers to rise, but uh, there's no reason Mark uh, you know, can't be a you know, 35 to 45 goal scorer. I mean, he has that level of ability, but the biggest development for the Jets uh, when it comes to Mark Shifley is uh, his willingness to be coached and his uh, effort level at all, you know, all three zones, which is something that, you know, the Jets needed from Mark Shifley. He wants to be an elite player. Uh, and when you get measured against the best players in the NHL, you have to play a 200-foot game, uh, putting in that in quotations for our final cliché of this interaction. <laughs> but uh, uh, he's, he's been impressive in how he's played, and, and it's, it's really helped the Winnipeg Jets, especially at a time where you know, Kyle Connor, you know, he had three assists on, on Tuesday, and he's starting to show those signs that we're used mm-hmm. to seeing. But uh, you know, Kyle Connor has only the two goals this year. And, and Nikolai Ehlers, who was the third member of that line to start the year, uh, has only played in the two games. So, I mean, that that line really got a boost from Mason Appleton. But, uh, you know, the guy driving the bus this year so far uh, has been Mark Shifley on that top line for sure.
0: Now, Ken, uh, on this panel, Greg Mackling is the sporting <laughs> expert. Loren knows a lot more about sports than I do, but I still know a little <laughs> bit. Uh, and I know enough to know that Cy Young... Was a baseball player, but you mentioned Mark (laughs) Shifley is in uh, these buddies are bugging about the Cy Young Award. So uh, I'm not familiar with what that is. Can you help clue me in and maybe others who are kind of like me who like, yeah, I know a little bit about sports, but what's the connection from baseball to hockey here? yes my apologies no uh, no, Greg, no 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 uh, apologies s-
7: s- s- no no we, we got to talk to the masses there the scion generally given to the pitcher with the best record uh and, you know the fewest losses so mark shifley the losses are being replaced by assists in this case so uh mark just has the one single assist mm-hmm. on the year and um so you know he's got a lot more goals and assists which is very abnormal for him and uh, he's had to te- talk about it a little bit, and you know the jokes are flowing from his teammates. But the jokes are usually only flowing from your teammates when things are going well. So uh, it is, a, is it a it's a credit. It's more a credit to his goal scoring than his lack of passing. Uh, his passing ability has still been there. Just the guys he's been passing to haven't been finishing at that same level, uh, which has led to a bit of a disparity when it comes to his uh, goals and assist numbers.
1: They got to put it in the net, you know, one <laughs> ge- one game at a time, Ken.
7: I love it. I love it. I mean, Brett, don't forget, Lorraine McNabb uh, knows her sports. Uh, from you know, <laughs> oh, she, she knows Ken her sports. She's I in,
1: think Ken and I must have started around the same time when I was a, quote, sports reporter for Global. So I, I think he's probably laughing somewhere about knowing my sports because <laughs> in scrums together, I'd be like, who, 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 who are we talking to here? <laughs> Who's this guy?
0: Hey.
7: It all worked out. It all, it all out. works Loren, out in the end, that, Ken. That is the most important thing.
0: Ken Wiebe of Sportsnet joining us live on 680 CJOB for a weekly Jets chat. Thanks, Ken. Much appreciated, sir
7: my pleasure Uh, you guys have a great day and thanks for having me as always
0: and yeah I just I was googling it as well like what Cy Young hockey what is happening here did I did I hear that right so yeah I found this old post from the hockey news Loren Mm -hmm. the NHL Cy Young award isn't an official award but it's one of the league's most fun the Cy Young named after MLB's award for best pitcher goes to the NHLer who posted the largest gap between goals and assists so yeah and
1: I I guess Shifley acknowledged that last night saying yeah I know I I gotta gotta get more assists and here he Is with you know his highest ever amount of goals this this early in the season, so yeah, he's um, just gonna have to uh, play that two hundred foot game. But <laughs> I. As Ken was saying that, I was reading I was looking at the top 20 cliches in sports, and that was on the list. Oh yeah? I'm glad we got that in.
0: (laughs) Our question of the day, by the way, for Credit Aid, overwhelmed by debt. Call 204 987 6890 Creditaid.ca. Twelve games into the NHL season, the Jets sit atop the central division. Are you surprised? At CJOB.com. We've got 45% who say it's early, it won't last. 39% say, yes, I am surprised. Good work. 16% say not at all. Go Jets, go. A little bit more of an optimistic appraisal on Twitter. 68% say, yes, I am. Good work. And on Instagram, it's more the same. 56% say, yes, I am surprised. More
1: optimistic on Twitter?
0: And on Instagram, yeah.
1: That defies logic for Twitter.
0: That's a very good point. But as it pertains to our polls, cjob.com tends to be the most serious place if they're voting on our it's website. Science Yes, that's right. None of it's science, it's just a snapshot. But we appreciate you participating and continue to weigh in. <laughs> Cleaning up for guests, whether it's like an emergency situation, you know, a surprise guest or for a potentially late-night guest. Or maybe it's a long-term project, like Dan. Dan P., who says, I once had an aunt come out from Oshawa to stay with us over the summer. Knowing how picky she was, we not only cleaned for a week, but had professionals come in to clean the carpets, the hardwood floors, and even made sure that our in-ground pool had the clearest blue water this side of the Caribbean. She says, oh, you didn't have to do all of this for me. But then we later find out she complained to her family daily that we didn't yeah. do anything with the house and she felt that we left it to her to clean. Needless to say, that aunt isn't welcome back to our house.
1: Why would she feel the need to clean? Like, I mean, if you, you know, if you think that they're doing that, don't clean it then. Just sit there.
0: I know. My my auntie it, Joyce is like, God love her, whenever she comes to visit, she's constantly cleaning uh, my parents' house. And uh, my, da- my dad just kind of has to sit back and go, well, makes her happy, so let her do right. it. Right.
1: Some people like cleaning. I have a friend who loves cleaning. Like, it's a thing. I think it might be therapy for some. Yeah. You know, you're washing the floors, getting out your frustrations, makes you feel good, maybe declutters the mind. Have at her. Do you want to come over here, Aunt Oshawa? I'll take you.
2: <laughs>
0: um, Trish uh, is uh, one of our runners-up as well. run she had us with a good one today.
1: Yes. Years ago, I was hosting a morning gathering with some girlfriends, coffee, tea. One of my friends was bringing a snack. I was rushing around trying to tidy up, and I hadn't done my dishes from the night before, so I shoved them in the oven. When my girlfriend shows up with a snack, she says, Oh, can I use your oven? I have to put these muffins in to bake. <laughs> Busted.
0: <laughs> that actually got us talking about th- about putting stuff in the oven that really shouldn't be put in there. Just as a side shoot text, one of our listeners said, my sister and I once tried to stop yes. my mom from smoking by hiding a carton of her cigarettes at the back of the oven. A few days later, my parents had a party. My mom puts dinner in the oven. About a half hour later, we walk into the house and we smell burnt tobacco coming from the oven. Needless to say, my sister and I got in trouble. My mom's dinner was totally ruined oops, my lesson to never hide anything in the oven. So thanks for that. That was a good laugh. But our winner, Loren, is Greg K.
1: Greg K. We shared this story earlier, but we want to again because it was too funny. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Greg says, I was a young man in my early 20s. I still lived with my parents. They were away for the weekend as they usually were. And I had invited a lovely young lady over to hang out. We had seen each other a few times, and I really wanted to impress her. The house was clean, but my room was the typical disaster, so I crammed as much as I could in the closet to the point where I had to press my entire body weight against the door to close it. Fast forward to me having to go answer the door because I had ordered pizza when I hear a loud crash. I ran to my room only to find my potential girlfriend thigh-deep in everything I had crammed into the closet. Imagine my absolute embarrassment. I apologized profusely. We laughed about it, but the Best part of the story, Brett, it all worked out in the end. They celebrated their 15th wedding anniversary last week.
0: Happy anniversary, Greg. Way to go. I did ask if, you know, he was able to seal the deal that night. He says not that night, but... It not with dirty years underwear
1: later. around you and socks <laughs> and all the rest. Yeah.
0: Hopefully the pizza was from Santa Lucia, at least. Greg, <laughs> you're going to the Western final. Congratulations. Thanks for the laugh.